So my name is Mike Fertacci. I uh, lead the Connect ministry, so everything that goes on at that table there, we do that. And so uh, I'm, all about, I'm all about new people coming and connecting and just finding their spot in the church and connecting with people that are here. And um, so I'm excited to look around and see you guys. And uh, again, any questions? Um, just want to sign up for anything, just go back there if you want to give. Seems like that table's the place to be. So when this is over, maybe sneak back there and take a look at what all is available over there. And uh, it was interesting that, so I was asked, I was put on the calendar to preach and uh, I was anticipating, so what am I preaching about? Um, and they tell me it's going to be rejoicing in hardship. And well, you'll come to find out in today's message that it was almost like it was like, it was a God thing that I ended up with this topic and you'll find out why shortly. All right. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 63, while you do that, I'll explain to you that King David had already um, been chased by King Saul. King Saul was trying to kill him. And now he's in the palace again. He's now the king again. But now his son Absalom is attempting a coup. So he has to leave again. And he's in the desert. So imagine my son kicking me out of my home and I'm having to flee to the desert because he's got a, a horde of people trying to kill me. How would I feel about that? And so it's in that context that King David speaks. And so if you would rise as we re, uh, read the scripture today. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. For all who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouth of liars will be stopped. You may be seated. David acknowledges a few things in, the, in, in this passage. 
He acknowledges that God is all he needs, all he needs. And so he seeks after him with all that he is. He acknowledges that God is good. So he will speak good things of God. He will praise God. He will tell everybody he encounters about the goodness of God. And he acknowledges that God keeps his promises. So God anointed him as king and he trusted that God would preserve him. So even though his son was trying to develop this coup against him, he trusted that God was going to protect him because he believed that God kept his promises. David's eyes turned to God in his hardship. This is how we could rejoice. Yes, he's in the desert, and it's not the first place he would choose to be, but his acknowledgement of who God is gives him the assurance that God is with him, so he rejoices. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I would love if you answer verbally to me these questions. Is God good? Is God holy? Is God sovereign? All right. With that in mind, I'm going to talk to you about my experience in hardship. And I'm going to try real hard. My wife knows this is true about me, and some of you already know this, but I have an issue with getting a little emotional at times. So I'm going to attempt to tell this story without getting too emotional. So in the early morning of July 26th of 1996, I was getting ready to go to school up in Portland, Oregon, Multnomah Bible College. Um, I had already attended a Bible college. It had closed, and I had prayed, and I had sought counsel, and God directed me to the Multnomah Bible College. I applied. I applied for financial aid. Everything worked out, and all the counsel of the men that were in my life that had served with me in ministry said, yeah, we believe that this is the step you should take. So I was preparing for that. And I had been working as an electrician. I grew up doing that kind of work with my dad. So I was doing that kind of work again. And we were building an LA fitness in Glendale, Arizona. It was my last day. It was going to be my last day of work. I was going to quit that afternoon, take about four weeks off, and then fly up to Portland and start school. I was excited. Like, like a year of planning into this, and I'm super excited. So I'm up in the racquetball room attic. They had lifted me through with a scissor lift, and they came back down, grabbed the light fixture, brought it up, and I just basically fastened it down and wired it, and then I moved to the next room, and there were six rooms. I was on the second to last room, and they had told me, you don't need fall protection because the boards are nailed and glued down and they're rated for 800 pounds, so don't worry about it. And I'm 20 years old, so I'm like, I'm just doing what my boss tells me to do, no problem. With an hour and a half left to the workday, I'm moving from the, the fourth room to the fifth room, and evidently, I slipped, off the, slipped from the trusses and I hit the board and the board snapped. So I come through the board, I get flipped sideways, and I land on the concrete after falling 25 feet on my face and on my side. So 
me catch my breath here. Uh, <laughs> what ends up happening is I break my cheekbone. I shattered my left eye socket. I broke four ribs. I uh, collapsed my lung. My spleen was punctured. And uh, I ended up getting a, a, a helicopter ride to the hospital. Give me a second. So I got released from the hospital literally the day before I was supposed to fly up to Portland. And in my mind, I'm like, cool, I made it in time. But the doctor said, no, you have to go to rehab. So you can't go. When you live it, it gets hard. To say I was disappointed was an understatement. But did this story change the answer to those three questions I asked you? No. Thank you. Is the whole role not available? So here comes, here comes, actually, if you want, you could put those pictures up. So that was, that was me. If you're wondering what happened to that guy, I think I swallowed him. <laughs> so. All right, you can take it back down. <laughs> so check out how awesome God is. So I, go, I, go, I get home from the hospital and um, we start having friends of the family come over to visit with us, you know, just being polite and, and just checking up on me and stuff. But they were talking to me like I was stupid. You know, I mean, I did suffer a brain injury and I was speaking slower than normal but I wasn't processing that slow. So when people walk up to you and you're processing just fine and they're like, are you okay? I just wanted to punch them. And it was very depressing. And at this point, my future was in question. I didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, so it was a couple of weeks later when I finally got to go back to church. And oddly enough, that particular Sunday, in our church, they had kneelers up front. I didn't even know we had kneelers, but they had kneelers all around the stage. And at the end of the service, the pastor said, if you need prayer, come on up and there'll be elders and pastors up here to pray with you. So I end up with, with the senior pastor, Daryl, and uh, I... Basically, he had known what had happened to me. He had visited me in the hospital. And so when I came up to him, I said, Daryl, sorry, I should be dead. I could have easily woken, I literally could have woken up that morning in the presence of Jesus. And I would have been perfectly okay with that. It wasn't suicidal. Don't, don't, don't hear that, okay? 
I would have been okay waking up in the presence of Jesus. That would have been great. But instead, I've got people talking to me like I'm stupid. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my future. Like I had, I had this desire to be in youth ministry. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do anything. So why am I here? I should be dead. And so he looks at me and he says, Mike, if you should be dead, you would be dead. But since you're not, my guess is you shouldn't be. And he said, I can tell you this much. You can minister to people who have been through what you've been through in ways I can only dream. And so God's going to use this in your life. There is a reason for it. So suddenly my lens changed. I started to see what happened to me in a completely different light. I realized God's going to do something with this. That's cool. So I end up staying in Phoenix instead of going up to Portland, Oregon, and I go to Southwestern College, which is now Arizona Christian University. At the time, there's only 250 students at the school, and I'm in the first class that I'm taking, and I'm just chatting with the students that are in there. There's about 15 students. And this guy walks in. He's wearing a Good Samaritan flight suit. He was a flight nurse. And he's listening to the conversation, because I was telling some of the students about what had happened to me. And he said, was that on 55th Avenue in Bell? I said, yeah. He says, I picked you up. He was my flight nurse. And he pulls out a, a plastic handcuffs, and he goes, I had to use these on you. Because <laughs> I got combative. I, he's like, you were feisty. <laughs> so in a, in a metropolitan city of, of area of 4.5 million people, I'm in a school of 250 in a class of 15, and my flight nurse is in my class. There, God's saying again, I'm in this. About a year later, I'm in school, I'm working a couple of jobs, so I'm in between class and work, and my mom calls me, and she says, um, I was just watching the news, and this young guy about the same age as you were when you fell has just been Aravac to St. Joe's. He just had a similar accident. So why don't you see if you can minister to the family, if you can pray with them? So, so that's actually a good idea. So I... When I got done with class, I drove down there. I walk into the intensive care unit, and there's no, there's no one sitting at the charge desk. You're not supposed to just be able to walk in. But there's nobody at the desk, so I just start kind of creeping <laughs> slowly until I run into somebody. <laughs> so I run into this guy, a doctor who's at a, at a computer, and then he goes, can I help you? So I explained to him, I just heard that somebody had a, an accident like I did. I had been here a year ago. I was treated here. And uh, so I'm, I'm wanting to see if I can pray with the family. And uh, he looks confused for a second. And he said, was that, did you fall off of a building on 55th Avenue and Bell? I said, yeah. He said, I was the doctor that admitted you. Okay. He says, um, how did you get here? I said, I drove. 
And he was just like, I wasn't sure you'd drive again. Uh, what are you doing with yourself right now? So I'm, I'm back in school, I'm working. School, how are you doing in school? I've never done better, I'm, I'm getting A's and B's. It looked like he was just gonna fall over. <laughs> and so God, you know, the insurance companies, they, they tried to make it sound like it was no big deal. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was like God, God used this to remind me, no, this was a big deal and I got you. So I've got one more story, and understand, there's probably dozens of stories, but I don't think Pastor wants me to preach for three hours, so I'm going to limit it. Because not long after that, my friend Heidi, she's going to Arizona State University, she's studying speech pathology, and she's in a class where she has to find somebody to speak in her class about their experience in, in speech therapy. So she... But she says to me, listen, the professor is rabidly atheist. He hates Christians with a passion. I just want you to know. I'm I'm guessing she thought I was going to go all Billy Graham on him on the class. So she she wanted to warn me. And I I said, look, Heidi, I'm just here to help you get an A. That's my only intention. So I walk into the class. She introduces me. I start to talk about my experience in speech therapy. And the professor stops me and he says, Mr. Fertacci, would you mind just telling us what happened to you? Tell us your story. Story was all I needed to hear. (laughs) Because I couldn't tell the whole story and leave God out of it. For instance, I said one story. I'm I'm throwing another one in there. The helicopter ride, remember, he had to handcuff me. Well, they also had to sedate me because you can't put a wild animal in a helicopter. It doesn't work out too well. So they sedated me, and I ended up in a chemically-induced coma. And it was the third day I wasn't coming out of it. The swelling had not gone down. They were concerned. So they went to my parents, and they said, we need you to sign this release. We're going to have to drill a, drill a hole and stick a shunt in his brain. And so my parents agonized. Well, we had, <clears throat> there were dozens of people from my church almost all the time just there praying for me. And so they signed the waiver, they, they wheel me in, they start to shave my head, and I wake up. Okay? So many stories like that. So this guy asked me to tell my story, I'm going to tell you my story. So I tell the story, and for an hour and a half, I answered questions about my walk with Jesus, not a single question about speech therapy, not a one, okay? So, and this professor, this rabid atheist professor says to me, I can see that you have a vital relationship with your God. So he says, Heidi will be with you in just a second if you'll step out. Okay, and he shakes my hand. Heidi walks out, and she says, he shook your hand. I said, 
Okay, don't you just do that? She says, well, you're the last speaker for the semester. He hasn't shaken anyone's hand. And he just asked if he could have your phone number because he's going through some stuff with his son and he was hoping he could call you and chat with you about it. He never did call, but God did something. We, Heidi and I just like left going, what just happened? Wow, what just, what just happened? So now we're going to switch gears a little. That's my story. But now we're going to go back to the scriptures. James opens his letter by saying in verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It seems counterintuitive to view hard times with joy. It seems like when we go through hard times, we're having things taken from us. But those of us that walk with Jesus, the opposite is true when we go through hard times. Because James goes on to say, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hardship adds to our life. It doesn't take away. It prepares us for the mission that Jesus has for us. And what do we say, King's Cross? We're a church family on mission with Jesus. The most powerful example of hardship being used by God is the story of Joseph in Genesis. You guys recall the story of Joseph? He's... His brothers don't like him very much, so they throw him in a pit. They try to kill him, and then he ends up being a slave in Egypt. So he's, can, you, can you call that hardship? I would say so. Then he ends up in prison in Egypt. More hardship. But what did God do with Joseph? He used Joseph to save his brothers. One of those brothers was Judah. So he saved Judah's life. What does Judah go on to do? Well, he ends up having a kid who has a kid who has a kid who has a kid. And one of those kids is King David, who gives us this, who's also going through a hardship. And God redeems him through this situation. And then he has a kid who has a kid who has a kid who has a kid. And down the line, and who comes out of the lineage of David, but Jesus himself. So God used a hardship in the life of Joseph. And as we follow along the lines, you come to discover that God used that hardship with a specific intent to follow through on his redemption story. Okay. So we can't say that hardship is a negative. For the believer, hardship should be welcomed and we should be joyful that he counts us worthy enough to suffer for him so that he could do something with that in our life. Everyone's been through hardship or we're going to go through hardship. You may be going through hardship right now. And when you're going through it, it might seem difficult to understand how it's good and to be joyful in it. I'm not, I'm not asking you to pretend like you're happy in it. 
I'm not pretending you, I'm not telling you to put a smile on your face when you're going through it for, for our benefit, okay? That's not what I'm asking. But to understand that God is doing something in your life should bring joy to you. I had dozens of people from my church praying for me at any given moment when I was going through my hardship. Okay. You have a church family here that can walk, through, walk, it, walk with you through your hardship. So at the end of the service, there's going to be some people standing in the back that would love to pray with you. If you're going through something and you need prayer, do that. Something else that we announced was small groups. Your small group can walk with you through your hardship. Because it's not a question of if you're going to go through hardship as a Christian. You are going to. It's not an if, it's a when. James says, count it all joy when, not if, you encounter various trials. You're going to. And there's a purpose for it. God loves you and he's going to use it in, in your life. And he's going to use this fellowship to walk with you through it. You're not alone in your hardship. So to start off with, you can go to the back and pray with somebody. And then if you're not connected to a small group, I urge you to do that. Because that is the best place that you can be able to walk through it with people. As we are on mission with Jesus together, and we walk through hardships together, we will see God using hardship to grow us deep in our fellowship. We will rejoice and be encouraged. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for hardship. So if you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for just the things that you have walked me through. I thank you for the example of King David. And Lord, I just pray that you would use the words spoken today to just conform us more into the image of your son and to be ready for the task at hand, Lord, to be on mission with you. So Lord, we love you and thank you and give all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.